Welcome to the Live Clearly podcast. In this podcast, we focus on wealth strategies that help you build your financial potential and live a healthy, extraordinary life. We discuss the power of living with clarity, pursuing possibilities, and creating a clear financial roadmap. Now, onto the show with your Live Clearly enthusiast, Rebecca Novin Cannon. Hello, and welcome to Live Clearly with Rebecca Novin Cannon. Today, we are going to be talking about focusing on what you can control. Good afternoon, Becky. How are you? Good afternoon. I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, I like to focus on the things that I can control because the ones I can't just drive me bananas, right? Just <laughs> yes. Kind of go crazy. So w- what brought this topic on specifically from you today? So my husband's often telling me that I can't control everything and mm-hmm. he's right. But in our, in our lives, there's a lot that we can control. And I think that if we focus on those that we can control, we can create freedom in all areas of our lives. Yeah. So if you think about it, I have this premise, and I don't think that many people find this shocking or surprising, and many will agree, that if we talk about discipline, discipline can translate into freedom. True. Yeah, I agree. Right. So, so if we talk about our mind health connection, discipline there definitely de- delivers freedom. So things like nutrition, mm-hmm. we know it's pop, very popular now, right? Not to eat processed foods, that we should fill our plate with organic plant-based proteins, things that are rich in omega-3s, organic nuts, legumes, fresh fruit, vegetables, et cetera, right? Whole grains, no sugar. And if we eliminate things that are inflammatory, such as dairy, and we drink a lot of water, we'll have the freedom of good health. That's, that's the concept. Not, not, 90, not 100% of the time, but 99% of the time, you'll have the freedom of good health. And everyone can agree on that. Yeah. I, um, what, what I, I'm just not sure is, are Krispy Kreme organic or not? Really? I mean, <laughs> Last time I checked, <laughs> they weren't. But, you know. There, there may be a market for that. that is, oh, man, wouldn't there be? <laughs> that would be great. Now, and I haven't had a Krispy Kreme in very, very long time because they, you know, as good as they look and as good as they taste, it's one of those things where I'll, I'll have one and then it's very easy to have another, right? Can't and stop. Then, then there's, yeah. you know, that the box well, is still warm. They say that the sugar, they say that the sugar and the, I don't know what you call it, but the friedness, but the sugar, we'll call it, mm-hmm. and the way they're prepared, it crosses your blood-brain barrier, and it makes your brain say, I want more, I want more. So totally. there's actually a reason that you're craving a second after you have your first. Yeah, it's intentional. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's something I can control, right? I mean, that's that's exactly what we're talking about today. Sure. I don't have to have those Krispy Kremes. I can avoid them altogether um, because I know that's it's just something that I shouldn't put in my body at this point in my life. Maybe when I was 16, 17, and my you know, metabolism was on fire and the donut was gone with about 14 seconds, but uh, sure. not anymore. Um, Things so, change. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, Same with exercise, oh, yeah. right? We're of this belief system or we know that the discipline of exercise is, okay, I'm going to consistently work out. I'm going to do a balance of, I'm not just doing cardio. I'm going to do a balance of weight training, mm-hmm. resistance training, HIIT training, et cetera. We have the freedom of good health, right? Discipline equals freedom. Yep. Uh, things like meditation, it takes discipline. And there's studies that show that our continued practice of meditation, which I need to work on, frankly, it, it can increase our calmness. It can increase our physical relaxation, mm-hmm. our psychological balance, defensive illness. It can cure depression and it can even improve the saying of cognitive function. So if you can control that through discipline, taking 10 minutes each day for more headspace, 
why wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Just just taking a couple minutes to do some deep breathing to get yourself some more oxygen makes a huge absolutely. difference. I mean, that, just those things. What other examples do you have as far as, uh, I know we talked about nutrition and exercise, meditation. What else falls into this category of control? So I'd say, and I try to teach this at home, uh, which is choosing kindness, consistently choosing kindness towards mm. the ones you love, mm-hmm. how you react and act on your feelings. We can control that. So when we're kind, we tend to forge strong relationships with one another and we have better relationships as a result. So, and, and we've also learned, I think Harvard came out with a study that says that those people that live longer, it's, they believe it's directly correlated to the depth of the relationships. So again, choosing kindness or positive thinking takes a lot of discipline, <laughs> yeah, but yep. right, it can also equal freedom. Because if, if those that are regularly thinking positively, meaning that they're approaching life's challenges with a positive outlook, uh, their findings, such as the Mayo Clinic published, that it's linked to longer lifespan, less stress, lower rates of depression, I believe resistance to the common cold even, mm. lower cardiovascular disease, and better overall psychological health. Well, I mean, something that, that really strikes a, a chord with me in my heart of hearts on these two specific things, um, choosing kindness and positive thinking, is forgiveness, right? Because if we That's don't, if, if we don't forgive, and that, it takes both of those, right? You're choosing to be kind to somebody by forgiving them. It's it's kind of a choice you have to make. That's something you can control. It doesn't matter what they've done. I, I can't say it doesn't matter, but whatever they've done, if you choose to forgive and be positive in your thinking, you get rid of so much bitterness and anger and and stress in your life because you're releasing something that you're able to control that. You can't control what they do, but you're able to control whether or not you harbor this thing against them to the point where it's making you ill or it's making you stressed out or, or it's interrupting your sleep and, and the other things. I mean, I can see the the entire list of things you're listing, cardiovascular disease, better uh, psychological health. All those things are going to be tied into much more positive thinking and being able to do that towards the ones you love and towards people that are just acquaintances or coworkers. Hundred percent, and and to your point, I'm I'm so grateful that you brought that up because I was talking about the practice of gratitude, but forgiveness. Mm-hmm. If you're not forgiving and you're constantly stressed out about something that happened, your body's also releasing cortisol, yeah. and cortisol we know is a direct stimulant of disease. Mm. And if, if we we don't want cortisol in our body, so so thank you for bringing up forgiveness. Things like gratitude having that forgiveness, regularly practicing these ideals and taking the time to notice and reflect upon these things, give us more compassion, more kindness, and we have a stronger immune system. So again, focusing on these things is huge in our everyday lives because there's so much we can't control. So let's focus on what we can control. Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the things you've spoken about on the last podcast, and I know you have future podcasts planned uh, with with some of these these topics, is really focusing on controlling your financial situation because that really boils over into so many different areas, the stress in your life, the ability to be gracious and not just show gratitude, but be gracious to others, be able to help someone that's in need, which again is completely rewarding to ourselves as well. It's almost a selfish act to help somebody else out in a way. Um, so how do we really work on focusing on control when it comes to finances? How does it all play in? I believe that I don't believe, I know, just through history, through my experience, 20 years in this business, I can say for sure that there are disciplined behaviors that people demonstrate that make their financial future soar. And then there are behavioral issues that just lack 
any type of discipline mm-hmm. that I see destroy people's financial futures. So if we could focus on those discipline behavioral issues that make you sore, I'd say the first thing we need to focus on is our savings rate. Mm, okay. And, you know, often when I meet people, the first question in my open interview, and to be clear, they're interviewing me, but I'm also interviewing them. Mm-hmm. One of the first questions that I'll ask is, what percentage of your gross income do you save? And they stare at me and they shake their head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. Um, mm. Let me think about that. And they look up and I can tell they're thinking and they're adding some stuff in their, in their, in their minds. And then they'll ask me something like, well, is, is profit sharing included in that number? Can mm. I include my 401k? And I say, yeah, of course. And, and they continue to compute in their heads and they come back to me with a number that they think they're saving. Yeah. But before they do that, they'll say, wait, wait, Becky, did you mean net income or gross income? I'll say again, <laughs> what percentage of your gross income are you saving? My point here is that 99.9% of the time, they do not know what percentage they're saving. Yeah. And it's a shame because they should know what they're saving. But you know what they do know off the top of their head? They know what rate of return they earned in their portfolio last year. So they can tell me their savings rate, but they can tell me what the rate of return was in their portfolio. Well, that's that's interesting because one they can control and one they can't. 100%. And I, I believe it's misplaced. And it's not that I don't want people to know how their portfolios are performing against the benchmark. Of course mm-hmm. I do. And we examine that. But I want to change the conversation. You see, Wall Street has traditionally marketed to consumers in a way that has invited them to open accounts, which advisors, you know, they sell these images of better, fatter, stronger, sexier, and higher rates of return. Come come over here. Let us attract you with our advisors because, you know, they can get you a better rate of return. And consumers through this marketing have been taught that high reward only comes when they accept the highest levels of risk. And it causes individuals, consumers to engage in this chasing their tail or chasing rates of return. Mm -hmm. Next best thing, next best thing. Somehow that leads consumers to believe that they are somehow, as you said, in control of the market's rate of return. But they're really not in control of the market's rate of return. Mm -hmm. Markets make returns, not advisors. But We'll talk about that in another podcast. Yep, definitely. Savings rates, however, is something that we're completely within our control. And our futures, in fact, rely on our savings rate. So as an advisor and a planner, of course, I'm going to seek the highest, most efficient rate of return with the greatest reward. But before we can talk about that, we have to strive to save. And depending upon your age and your circumstance, that percentage may vary, but we want to save the maximum first. That discipline, back to what we started talking about, will equal freedom in your financial life. Hmm. So it's great to talk about it. I mean, it, it, it makes a lot of sense, but I'm kind of a concrete thinker, and I think a lot of our audience will be as well. Can you give us an example of how this looks? How would it look to, to tackle this from the get-go? Sure. So if we take a couple, husband and wife, that are in their 40s, so they have 25 years to retirement, and let's say together they're earning $500,000. Okay. If we assume that their income will continue to increase conservatively, about 3 to 4% a year, 
meaning that their earning potential will go up. Over the next 25 years, that translates into $20 million. Mm. So that means that $20 million will have entered their financial economy from age 40 to age 65, literally have come through their doors over 25 years. Now, if I sat down with you and I said to you, okay, and you put yourself in that person's shoes, you're going to step out into retirement with $20 million. What would you say to me? What lottery ticket did I win? <laughs> right? Like, that's great. I don't need any planning. Yes. This is fantastic. Perfect. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't need to plan. I can live off of $20 million any day of the week. Yeah. For the next 35 years, I don't have to worry about outliving my money. But in reality, we know that they didn't keep that full $20 million. Mm-hmm. That passed through their economy, passed through their hands. They didn't get to keep it all. Why didn't they get to keep it all? Oh, Why do you think? Yeah, any number of reasons. Well, mortgages, taxes, children. Um, yeah, I mean, vacations. <laughs> children, huge, well, you, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's it, yeah, huge. How many kids do they have? We, we didn't talk about that. They're in their mid-40s. They got seven kids? They got they've two got, kids. They've got two kids. Okay, okay. two kids. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we, we know where the money goes. It, it goes out the door um, a lot of times. Um, sure. So, I, yeah, that'd be great to be able to keep a bulk of that $20 million, but I, I really doubt that's happening. So so let's drill down on it. Let's see, you know, uh, through, through we'll, we'll step through it. We'll see what approximately um, is the average consumer holding on to. So, right. of course, as you said, we have taxes, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, we have debt. And that can be mortgages, HELOCs, auto loans, mm-hmm. leases, credit cards, school debt, anything, right? Anything that, that, that leaves your economy doesn't come back. We have lifestyle, number three. And then what's left over, these, these families tend to say, okay, whatever's left over is what I'm going to save at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So typically we see that 35% goes to taxes, 30% goes to debt, mm. another 30% to lifestyle. And at the end of the day, what's left over, that 5% is what they save. So if we take that example of that, that family that is that couple that's earning $500,000, which translates to $20 million over the next 25 years, that number, after we apply 35% taxes, 30% debt, 30% lifestyle, and 5% in savings, that 5% in savings translates now to $911,000. So that $20 million just became $911,000. Hmm. Yeah, that's And when you, when you see that, how does that make you feel versus the $20 million? You just lost 19 million bucks. Yeah, how, how that happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? So it makes sense that people are hearing this marketing of, well, yeah, let me go get the highest rate of return I possibly can get, right? Because if I can get 10% mm-hmm. on my 5% savings at 911000 that that would be $3.4 million. Phew, I'm okay. It's okay. So yes, I'm going to go to the next best thing and try the next best investment because if you're promising me 10, 11 percent, I got I have to go get that. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've only saved five percent. It's a problem. And, and by the way, for those of you that are listening to this podcast, a 10 percent rate of return assumption consistently over 25 years is not realistic. It's just not. And, and here's the other thing. You said it. If somebody's out there offering you or telling you that they can promise you 10% return, number one, they're lying. Number two, there's reasons it's illegal <laughs> to do that. They're, nobody's right. going to promise you anything. We're uh, setting ourselves yeah. up for the, – they're unrealistic expectations and we're setting ourselves up for failure. Exactly. And that's the exact opposite of we want, right? We want, we want people to succeed no matter what the circumstance. Mm-hmm. So, so 
again, back to the whole control concept, we're trying to control what we cannot control, but let's focus on what we can control. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you do? How, how do we solve this issue, this, this problem that we're encountering? So how do you control different pieces of those, the, the different pieces of the pie, right? I mean, you, you said 35% in taxes right off the top. Is there any way we could control some of that? Or is that just completely out of our control and we have to focus on something else? Yes. Yeah, so, so, so I think to, to your credit, you asked really good questions. We, we reframe the dialogue, that thought pattern, mm-hmm. and we have to be smarter. We can't evade taxes. We can't just avoid it. If the highest fraction, uh, you know, marginal rate is thirty-seven percent, and we're at about thirty-five on our marginal income, we can avoid paying as much in taxes. We can never evade them, of course, mm-hmm. but we can absolutely work on strategies to reduce our taxes. Mm-hmm. We can also clean up our debt. That one's a big money. one. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Focus on it and, and look at our good debt and our bad debt and pour our debt, so to speak, into a bigger pot that consolidates it and reduces our payments. So we reduce our debt over time. So if we can do these things and we can also look at lifestyle and I'm not asking people to stop going to Starbucks or, or you know, go out on Friday nights or give up their country club membership. But I suggest and what part of my practice is taking almost an MRI of what's going on in your life, not just a budget, a true MRI of how we're spending all of our money, coordinate it and teach my clients how to find lost opportunity costs inside their economy to recapture them. Mm-hmm. So money that they don't need to be spending essentially. And if we can rework that so that we're smarter with our taxes, 33% goes to tax, 25% goes to debt, and perhaps 25% goes to lifestyle. We're now at 17% that's going to savings. Huge mm. difference between 17 and 5, don't you think? Uh, yeah, tremendous. If I, asked, if I asked you not to you know, rush you here because you're supposed to be asking me questions, but <laughs> if I asked you what you thought the difference between 5% savings and 17% savings looked like, what would you tell me? A couple million bucks. Couple million, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. so let's find out, right? So, I, I, I crunched the numbers shockingly. Mm-hmm. And what I found was that if we're saving 17% of that gross income of $500,000 over the course of 25 years, that 20 million, remember before it dwindled to 911,000? Mm-hmm. Now that 20 million would dwindle to $3 million. Yeah. Now, remember, we haven't, we haven't put a rate of return on that money yet. So if you're saving 17% and you put it under your mattress from now age 40 to age 65, you would have $3 million by age 65. Mm -hmm. When we then put a realistic rate of return, let's say 6%, that savings rate now has grown to $6.6 million. That's not too shabby. Not too shabby. And, And if you think about it, do you want to be the individual that has 911 that hopefully goes to 3.4, putting so much stress on it, trying to get that 10% rate of return, mm-hmm. right? Or do you want to be an individual that has varied rates of return, different opportunities, and you're not as pressured, right, to be getting that rate of return year in, year out? Yeah. And, and- right? that's, that's a 70% saver with the $3 million that can grow to $6.6 million comfortably. Yeah. And, th- and this is an entirely another podcast, but that whole 6% versus 10%, you're talking about risk, right? And and the more you risk trying to chase after that higher percentage rate, the more 
risk there is of losing more. And that's just that's the just a fact of, of how the markets work. So um, being able to be satisfied and being prepared, I guess, is not even satisfied, but prepared would be the better word to be able to say, yes, 6% is going to do great because this is what it's going to grow to. And I know that I'm on track for that. What peace of mind that that goes right back to the other things we can control, right? The stress in our lives and, and so on and so forth. Um, that would be huge. 100%. And, and to your point, it is for another podcast, but it's it's actually, I believe it's a misnomer that you have to take more risk to get more reward. Hmm. I think that there are ways to structure your economy so that we're getting more velocity in our money, but we're doing it in more creative ways. So we're not just saying, okay, I have to take more risk because I want a high rate of return. You know, we can take different buckets and get 5% in four buckets and still get 20% versus putting it into just one fund and hoping for 20%. Hmm. Well, I'll look forward to that podcast for sure. Yeah. So, so, so the, the point of all this is that we have to prioritize our savings rate, right? Before we chase mm-hmm. rates of return. And we want to look at, are we acting proactively or are we acting reactively? Are we earning our income, paying the necessary insurance premiums we have to pay, paying our taxes, living our life, and then saving? Or are we earning our gross income, paying the necessary insurance premiums we have to pay, and then saving, and then paying our debt and taxes, and then living? Hmm. So so at a minimum, rule of thumb, at a minimum, and everyone's different, but saving should be 15% of gross income, year in, year out. And my clients walk around, they know exactly what their percentage of savings is. Yeah, that's great because if, again, like you pointed out, if you don't know, then you're just not doing it. Clearly, you're not you're not analyzing it. That's and it. and there are ways to make yourself a disciplined saver, right? Back to our first conversation, you're not, you're not going to become, and I know this as a fact, we're not going to become master dieters or master meditators mm-hmm. immediately or overnight. We have to start small and work towards it. So there are ways to become a disciplined saver. You don't just do it in one annual payment. You try to start slowly one foot in front of the next. You do it monthly and you keep reworking your numbers until you get to where you want to be. And once you get to where you want to be, you adjust it upwards and you start all over again. Yeah, absolutely. This this last summer, uh, my wife, daughter, and I went to South Carolina and we decided to drive. We just wanted to go ahead and rent a car. And they talked me into getting a convertible Mustang because it was a big celebration trip, my daughter's graduation. So that's what we took. And it had GPS. And I'm able to punch the coordinates in. I know exactly where we're going. And right when you do that, it tells you how many miles you have to go, right? And it'll give you that countdown. And that's kind of what I what I picture when I think about Somebody who, if you have a plan, if you want to get to a destination, if you want to get to the end of that road in good shape, you've got to have that number. You've got to have the numbers ticking away, positive or negative. You've got to have that tracked. So knowing what you're saving is that first step. You've got your number in there, and then you're on your way. And by the time you get to that that end destination, it's it's been that consistency that has brought you there, and, and you're going to have a great vacation after that, in my opinion. <laughs> you, 100%. Yeah. And while you're driving on that road, because you've been consistent the whole time and you're making sure that you're keeping your gas tank full mm-hmm. and doing what you have to do, if there's any government accidents or, or you know, obviously in South a Carolina, detour, there's right? no black ice. But yeah. if you come across any peril and there's a problem, because you've consistently done what you're supposed to do, there's reserves at all times mm-hmm. so that the unexpected, if it happens, it doesn't destroy your 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 trip. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it's about. It's about the journey, right? That's uh, what it boils down to. Fantastic. Do you have any closing thoughts for today? This is a great podcast. I love this. Uh, I don't have any closing thoughts other than it's, it's, it's achievable. And if you have the desire to have that freedom, it's just about discipline. It's, it's no different than dieting or exercising or meditating. Yep. And having somebody there with you along that path is very important. So how can somebody reach out to you if they want to give you a call? So they can reach directly out to my office at 862-345-7705. And they can speak with Diane or Lauren. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today. This is a great one. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to the Live Clearly podcast with Rebecca Novin Cannon. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Becky comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thank you for listening today. For everyone at Novin Cannon Financial, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Live Clearly podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Rebecca Novin Cannon is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 52 Forest Avenue, Paramus, New Jersey, 07652, 201-843-7700. Securities, products, and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. PAS is an indirect, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Novin Cannon Financial Group LLC is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Noben Cannon Financial Group. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by PAS, Guardian, or Noben Cannon Financial Group, LLC, and opinions stated are their own. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. The Living Balance Sheet, LBS, and the LBS logo are service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America. Guardian, New York, New York. Copyright 2005 through 2019. Guardian, 2019-78851.